0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Philadelphia-born, New York City-based jazz trumpeter, composer, arranger, and producer dwayne eubanks kansas city-based saxophonist bj jansen is bringing dwayne to kansas city to perform on may 13th 2020 at the westport coffeehouse theater and we had to catch up with him about this show he also talked about his live at small cd from 2018 so jazz is in his family lineage and he's grateful for it his mother vera is a pianist and his brothers are celebrated trombonist robin eubanks and guitarist kevin eubanks And the legendary pianist, Ray Bryan, is his uncle. So, he got a business degree at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore and joined the university's jazz band. Then he studied jazz and master classes at Temple University with the legendary Dr. Billy Taylor before heading on to New York City. So, he's got great stories, great insights. Please get to know him and dig this interview, my friends.
1: Okay, Dwayne, hey, thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. I
0: appreciate it. Hey, no problem. I appreciate
1: it. You bet, man. So... Speaking of Kansas City, Here I Come, B.J. Jansen is uh, is going to have you here at town on May 13th, and you're going to play at the Westport Coffee House. So what I want to know first and foremost is, how did this gig come about? How do you feel about coming to Kansas City? Well,
2: it came about, I performed with uh, B.J. on a number of occasions, and I performed on his recording. I met him by chance. You know, I've... I, in, in New York, I've run across them in in the Harlem in the Harlem scene, mostly at Saint Nick's Pub, where everybody used to used to jam. And you know, I'd see him in passing. And it wasn't until he he did a recording with a a number of uh, Philadelphia musicians, uh, Mike Boone to name one, that I was a uh, pretty close to. I said, "Oh, wow." You know, I guess, and I kind of adopted him. I said, well, he must be from Philly. Okay, he's cool. You know, down the road years later, he approached me about playing um, on his recording. I said, oh, yeah, of course. You know, I didn't realize he wasn't from Philly until then. You know, so, you know, off and on, we've just been, he's just been calling me to perform with him. And. I've never, I can't remember ever being in Kansas City. I'm pretty excited to, to come there.
1: Right on. So what kind of show do you think you're going to deliver? If if When someone listens to this and they're like, you know, I want to come out, but I'm curious, what kind of show do you think you'll deliver?
2: It's going to be all over the place, pretty much. But mostly um, traditional jazz, whatever that term may mean to to, to people. Just really good music. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of energy and a lot of time for um, people to think introspectively. But it's just just pretty much just good music. I like to just say good music.
1: Well, and you're no stranger to live recordings. You're, You're live at Smalls in 2018. I've been really wrapping my head around that. And it just sounds like a good, relaxed, right-on conversation in front of the crowd. So yeah, talk that's to me a little great. bit about this recording. Yeah, that's when I think music
2: is most effective, when you have the crowd there. I mean, that's what music is supposed to be about anyway. We're to deliver messages to an audience. And if we're effective in our delivery, then the audience can receive the messages that we uh, are putting out. Now, there's some... Um, Responsibility on the and uh, the audience part, in that they have to be open-minded enough to receive the messages. But primarily, you know, that's our our job. So when uh, that situation arises, I think that's when music is the most powerful and uh, performed on the highest level.
1: So talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised, and you come from a pretty healthy jazz lineage of of musicians. So just kind of yeah. give me an idea.
2: Philadelphia has always been a rich um culture, musical culture. Um dating back, I don't know, to the forties and fifties. Uh Gillespie moved there. it's you know, the name the list is ongoing in terms of Philadelphia musicians and not just jazz musicians, um R and B musicians cross genres. You know, when I grew up the um, public school systems were still well funded at that time, so music and the arts was um, very important when I was a kid. So I was blessed enough to be to come up in a situation where, in my middle school, we had an incredible uh, music teacher who really cared about her students being able to play music. So if you put a lot of effort into it, basically everyone in the band, it was an amazing thing to be able to, to be a part of. Everyone in the band was actually really, really good. And I can say today that there isn't an individual that wasn't in that that band that couldn't have been, didn't have the talent to be a professional musician. I mean, really, everyone could play. So... Being in Philadelphia at that time was was really um inspiring in, in the fact that, you know, trying to keep up with you know, your friend next to next to you was playing the playing the music very well. So and I had my brothers around me, Robin and Kevin Eubanks who were in the house at that time. And I heard them hear them practicing all the time. I hear heard my mom practicing all the time. My uncle Ray Bryant, Tommy Bryant, who made great names for themselves in the in the music, you know, performing with guys like Miles Davis and, yeah, performing with guys like Miles Davis and Coleman Hawkins and, you know, very high-caliber names. So they would come over to visit my mom and, you know, they would share musical tidbits <laughs> with me and my brother. So I was very, very extreme. blessed to be, to come up in the situation that I was. If I wanted to be a musician, I couldn't have asked for a better position to be in.
1: So before you moved on to New York, you went to Temple and you took some master classes with the uh, great Dr. Billy Taylor. That had to be a pretty intense, great experience.
2: Yeah, incredibly great. At that time, well, I went to school at the University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. I graduated from there with a business degree, oddly enough. I was following my dad's footsteps who was this um corporate guy and like, wow, he wears nice suits and you know, he's well respected. I wanna be that <laughs> without knowing the work that he did, that he was putting in, you know. So uh, I got a degree in business. While I was pursuing that degree, um my twin brother Shane, who's a trombone player was in the band, and he talked me into joining the band, and I said, okay, sure, you know, I I wasn't playing much at that time, so I picked up my horn and started playing in the band again, and I don't know, something came across me, like, whoa, what am I doing, you know, this is what I, I felt it almost immediately, this is what what I need to be doing, this is what I wish to be doing, and I just became obsessed with the instrument and I practiced like nonstop neglecting my business studies and the whole nine. But, you know, I put so much into into the music and I just became obsessed for years and I don't even know how to explain it. I just delved into one thing after the next. Okay, all right, I'm going to learn Lee Morgan solos. I learned a bunch of Lee Morgan solos. I learned a bunch of Clifford Brown solos, and then I started hearing, you know, my peers, my, uh, people of my generation,
3: you know, Roy Hartgrove,
2: uh, Terrell Stafford, Terrence went my Marcellus, you know, and just being inspired by everyone, you know. So, plus being in Philadelphia, there was a rich um, musical culture, jazz, jazz scene, where I could... Um, go to jam sessions and learn from that there was a lot of older musicians that I was able to, you know, rub shoulders with and and learn from. I got the opportun- opportunity to study with the great Johnny Coles. And, you know, that was, re- that's what really turned the page in, in, in my book, the chapter in my book, quote, unquote, so. Um, I was just lucky and blessed to be in a musical, uh, amongst a musical, a very high musical culture that um, adopted me and wanted to allowed me to 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 grow, wanted to see me uh, become a better become better at my instrument, become a better musician.
1: You've been around Mulgrew Miller, Elvin Jones, John Hicks, Avery Sharp, a lot of really big names in jazz. What have you learned from the legends and luminaries, either by osmosis or things that they've given you that reverberate in who you are today?
2: Well, the first thing is that I realized is that the music is bigger than all of us. What I grabbed was their love of the music itself before any, above anything else, before seeing their name and life, before... Travelling all over the world it was but they were about the music they loved the music they loved what the music represented, and they wanted to um present it in a in a manner that was um respectable to not only to the music but to the musicians that came before them that gave them the tools to better themselves as musicians so that's that's what I took most. And that I realized, okay, I moved to New York, and okay, and I, all across the board, is a bunch of these incredible, great musicians that have that are, have performed and have, are directly linked to the lineage that that I love so much. You know, Morgan Miller is, was played with Art Blakey, uh, Woody Shaw, Betty Carter. Um, the Ellington band. Mr. Ellington was leading the band at the time. You know, and these guys, John Hicks, you know, performed with my trumpet hero, Lee Morgan. And the list goes on and on. So I was able to, um, you know, hang out at night at that time. Like, Bradley's, I think, was the, the number one club that all of these guys and got out. So I, so I could go to Bradley's and I could, I could see, see the walking. You know, I could see... Uh, Ronnie Matthews, I could see. You know, Roy Harbaugh was young at that time, but he was still. He was playing with all those guys. I could see George Coleman. I could see all these great guys that I've read about in magazines and books, but they were right there at my disposal. So I was able to, you know, I, I made it made it like a um, a classroom for myself. Okay, I'm going to learn. I'm gonna sit back. Don't say much and just observe. And that's what I did. I didn't, I didn't carry my horn to go play and sit in because I knew I wasn't ready yet. Well, I felt I wasn't ready yet. And I knew there was so much for me to learn. So I just kind of went, observed, and listened. You know, I watched everything they did. I watched how they interacted with each other, how they were, you know, how they joked with each other, how they played along with each other, how they, you know, the songs that they were calling, what order of the songs that they call. Did they do the fast song? Did they do a slow song? Did they do the the Latin song? Did they do the ballad? In which order did they do it? So I was really in school and really having my mind going at the same time because just being around all of that musical energy is, it's really hard to put in a word it was magic that's the best word it was it was magic for me to be able to sit with all of these great, great guys that I put on a pedestal and I was able to you know I could talk to them they were easily, easily approachable I could ask them questions you know if I went at them respectfully um, you know they nine times out of ten they were respectful back and intrigued that, you know, wow, this little guy wants to know something about what we're doing, and he seems to be serious. So I was able to get, you know, valuable, valuable information through hanging through them, and so I tried to carry myself the same way. Now that I'm, I don't want to say old yet, but now that I'm getting, I'm a little older than I was then, I feel... The the second part that I was getting into is the responsibility that they took is what I'm getting into now, the responsibility to share their
3: information, to share their experiences in order for the music to be, um, its growth to continue and for it to be represented correctly through through the younger musicians,
2: you know. So that's the role that I feel that I'm... Taking on now to share, you know, my experiences with, you know, Marguerite Miller, with Elvin Jones, and the valuable things that they taught me, it's my responsibility to share, show the younger generation, you know, what needs to be done or how they should approach certain things, certain things musically or personally, you know. It's not, we're not just musicians, we're actually people (laughs) that go through everyday situations problems, you know, life, life is, everybody has to experience it, you know, so, and that stuff comes out musically as well, but, um, so now I'm, I'm taking on the responsibility to pass on,
3: um, what those guys have taught me, and, you know, with the people that taught them.
1: Yeah, right on. So, what do you like best about being a musician?
3: The, 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 the ability for me to express myself and um, or express myself freely
2: you know it, it's easier for me to pick up a trumpet and play a solo than it is for me to sit down and have a deep conversation with someone I don't know maybe it's something that I maybe
3: I'm hiding behind the trumpet a little bit but I can say whatever I want whenever I want you know but that within that as you know
2: hanging out with the other musicians I realized that you know whenever I say whatever I want it still has to be musical because it's about the music first
3: um so
2: I, it gives me the um the ability to um Express myself. I, I like having optional ways to um, approach things. So if I see a certain chord change or if we're playing a certain song, I can approach it differently, more in more than one way. So I like the free the the fact that I have free ways of expressing myself, and I, I just like the camaraderie that comes along with it. The, the fact that you know these five people that get together however large the
3: ensemble is, everyone has a certain role, and um, if everyone sticks to the role and respects the music,
2: then it's going to be a very... It can has the potential to be a very powerful night, not only for the musicians, but for the listeners as well. And that's what I've, I've really... No, no, I've, I keep saying I'm getting older, but <laughs> I'm sorry, but I guess that's what happens. But yeah. now I'm really realizing
3: the power of music. And this this is what I'm really enjoying right now.
2: Just people being able to, to um, accept
1: what I'm trying to express musically. What was one of the first live jazz shows you ever saw that really blew your doors down?
3: Wow,
2: there were a few. Um, I think the first trumpet player I saw was Harry James. And Robin was in college, I think. And um, I'm trying to remember the situation. I think his recital was maybe a few days before or something. I don't know. And we went to this concert. My mom took us to this concert. And it was Harry James. Oh, my, my uncle was playing with um Uncle Tommy Brown was playing with the Ink Spot. And it was a double bill, I think. Harry James played, and then the Ink Spot played after them. So I went to see Harry James. Like You know, I was blown. I said, like, wow, you know, listen to this dude. Incredible. So I went back home. I said, Robbie, man, I went to see Harry James. We saw Harry James. He can play. He, wow, I was... He said, man, Harry James, okay, cool, but come on, you know, come in here. I want you to check this out. Check out. I want you to check out Clifford Brown. I want you to listen to Miles Davis. Listen to these records, like too. And, um, you know, that's where me being in that, that household be, was such a blessing. That I was able to uh, receive guidance from our brothers who were already in the within the industry, making names for themselves and being exposed to the, the the things that I needed to be exposed to. So, you know, I came home. I said, "Wow, Harry James, man!" And then he said, "Okay, yeah, Harry James is dead. Check this out. Here's Clifford Brown. Um, here's Miles Davis. You want to take these dudes out too? Listen to this." And then he quiz 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 us. On um, what we listen to, who who plays drums on this? Who is who's the drummer? What does uh, what does Art Blakey play? What does you know? Who's the, who is uh, Jimmy Heath? What does Jimmy Heath play? So you know, it was I was blessed. I have to say, to to, to keep me on um the correct musical path. Um, I can't. That I, I, I was could have asked for anything a better situation to be in, but um, yeah, Harry James was like the first
3: um, I guess professional um, trumpet player that I that I saw. Um, later on
2: um, in, in Philadelphia, they used to have an all night uh, music thing at the African American Museum. And this particular night, um, my mentor from Philly, uh, Bootsy Bonds, an incredible tennis saxophone player, and Johnny Coles played together. And that was, I think, I'm going to say that was like the second um, performance that really blew my mind as a trumpet player. Wow. Wow. I have to be able to do that. You know, but I'll have to... I think those were
1: the the two. I'm going with that. (laughs) Right on. Right on. So, my final question to you is this Everyone has their perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you live your life. Who do you think you are?
3: Mm. That's deep, Joe. Who am I? Wow, that's a question we could ask everybody. Yeah. That's deep. But, um,. As a musician, I I first have to say, yes, I am a musician. That is a
2: complete statement that, that embodies who I am as a person. I am a teacher. I am a husband. I am a father. And all of these, I am a student of life. I am a student of music. And all of these things roll up into a ball and um i'm an evolving entity <laughs> an evolving life form always always trying to learn
1: i'm a student in a nutshell right on that's perfect man Hey, Dwayne, thank you for taking some time out for Neon Jazz. Have a great day oh, at I appreciate thank it. Thank
0: you, man. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Philadelphia, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Dwayne for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
3: Neon Jazz